children. Now I have three children and no theories. <laughs> have you been there? Are you there right now? Parents, uh, those who have young children at home, maybe kids still at home, maybe think back if yours are grown and gone. See if you can relate to some of Murphy's laws of parenting. These are Murphy's laws of parenting. A child's greatest period of growth is the month after you purchase new school clothes. An alarm clock is a device for waking people up who don't have small kids. Children are natural mimics who act like their parents despite every effort to teach them good manners. Children don't sleep, they recharge. Children seldom misquote you. In fact, they usually repeat word for word what you shouldn't have said. Cleaning your house while your kids are at home is like trying to shovel the driveway during a snowstorm. Grandchildren are God's reward for not killing your kids. <laughs> Sick children recover miraculously when the doctor enters the treatment room. 
The chances of a piece of bread falling with the grape jelly side down is directly proportional to the cost of the carpet. There are only two things a child will share willingly, communicable diseases and their mother's age. One of these says we childproofed our home three years ago and they're still getting in. You spend the first two years of their life teaching them to walk and talk. Then you spend the next 16 telling them to sit down and shut up. Your chances of being seen by someone you know dramatically increase if you drive your child to school in your robe and curlers. See if you relate to this one. Your children may leave home, but their stuff will be in your attic in your basement forever. And finally, the main purpose of holding children's parties is to remind yourself that there are children more awful than your own. Let's be honest about it, beloved. Parenting is hard work. At times, it's tiring. It's humbling. It's frustrating. It's draining. But then again, at the same time, it's rewarding. It's exciting. And it really helps your prayer life, doesn't it? Children are a gift from God. Now, sometimes you might want to exchange that gift to return that gift. Uh, but we got to remember, they're a gift from God. They're God's gift to you. We need to remember that. Remember that often. Psalm 127 says this. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for he gives his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is the reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Now, this morning, we want to continue and conclude our series on help for the home. We've talked about the gift of marriage. What's a husband supposed to do? What's a wife supposed to do? What's a child supposed to do? I understand one of our families, uh, mom was in the nursery last week, and uh, the child was up here listening, and mom asked the child, well, uh, what was today's sermon about? You know, last week's sermon, what the child's supposed to do? And uh, she said, I'm not telling you. <laughs> Children, obey your parents in the Lord, uh, for this is right. Well, today we're going to preach about what are parents supposed to do. And would you find your place in Ephesians again? We're in chapter 6, and we're going to read those verses again. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, and our focus is on verse 4 this morning. Ephesians chapter 6, begin reading at verse 1. Children, obey your parents of the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. But bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Let's read that fourth verse again. It's our focus today. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. And that's a short verse, verse 4. But it's loaded with instruction. I want you to notice it's addressed to fathers. Now, both parents are no doubt in view here. He just told us to honor your father and mother and obey your parents. 
But the father, I think, is mentioned there because the father is the head of the home and he's responsible. But we believe both parents are in view here as we think about what it instructs us. This verse is very balanced. There's a negative side and there's a positive side. The negative is mentioned first, then the positive. And we're going to do the same thing today. We're going to talk about the negative and then the positive. What's the negative? Well, we're told here what parents are not to do. What you're not to do. Well, what is that? Well, look at verse four again. And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath. Now, what exactly does he mean there? Well, to truly appreciate what's being said here, you have to understand what's going on back then when this was written. I want you to listen what Wearsby said. He said in Paul's day, when this was written, the father had supreme authority over the family. When a baby was born into a Roman family, for example, it was brought and laid out before the father. If the father picked the baby up, it meant that he was welcoming the baby into their home. But if he did not pick it up, now think about this picture in your mind. If he did not pick her up, it meant the child was rejected. And here's what that meant. It meant the child could be sold, given away or killed by exposure. He said, no doubt a father's love would overcome such a monstrous acts, but these practices were legal in that day. So the child was born. They brought it to the father. If he picked it up, it was welcomed to the home. If he didn't pick it up, he rejected it. It could be sold, given away. In fact, MacArthur said discarded infants, those who were rejected, who were healthy and vigorous, were collected and taken each night to the town forum where they would be picked up and raised to be slaves or prostitutes. He gives a quote from Sanaka. Listen to what Sanaka said. Sanaka was a renowned statesman in Rome at the time. Paul wrote the Ephesian letter. He said this. We slaughter a fierce ox. We strangle a mad dog. We plunge a knife into a sick cow. Children born weak or deformed. We drown. End of quote. Think about that, beloved. So when you read that, think about the people who are reading that for the very first time. He went on to say such callousness is chilling. Yet, according to a recent report, the primary cause for children being in foster homes today is not divorce. It's not financial destitution or death of parents, but simply the disinterest of parents. And perhaps the most devastating abuse a child can experience is that of being neglected, treated almost as if he did not exist. Now, I share all that gruesome detail with you to understand just how radical this was for Paul writing of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to say to the Ephesians, listen, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, provoke them to wrath. I mean, they could kill them if they didn't want want them. It's a far cry from, well, if I don't like you, I'll dispose of you. Now, sadly, in all honesty, that goes on today as well. A child who's rejected or not wanted, it's done away and disposed. We call it abortion. We have a nice, tidy word for it, but that's what it is. It's murder. It's killing unwanted children. God hates it and we should too. Now, what is exactly meant here where it says not provoking children to wrath? What does this mean? What does it mean to provoke to anger? Well, one person said it means it's an ongoing pattern that gradually builds up a deep seated anger and resentment in that child. And it eventually boils over into hostility. Now, how does this happen? What does it look like? How does a father or a parent provoke a child to wrath? Get them to this boiling point. Well, one author said uh, some of the ways you can do it is this by saying one thing and doing another. Saying one thing and doing another by always blaming and never praising by being unfair 
in discipline, by being inconsistent in discipline, by showing favoritism in the home, favoring one child above another, by making promises and not keeping those promises and by making light of a child's problem. I mean, a problem that really is not a real problem, but it's important to that child. And you belittle that child or or just kind of brush it off or or frustrate them. That can provoke a child to anger. Now, this does not mean, listen, listen carefully. This does not mean that we're supposed to, to not discipline our children. We're going to talk a lot about that in just a moment. But the discipline, it surely upsets the child. That's not what we're talking about here. Sometimes children need to be upset. They need to be disciplined and trained. This is talking about provoking them to anger, getting that deep-seated resentment in them as they're mistreated, as you're doing all these things to bring them to the point of anger and wrath and boiling over and hostility. And you can see this in some kids. You can see it written all over their face. They're living this even today. We don't want to treat them that way. David Jeremiah, a great pastor, said this means don't irritate them. Don't focus on their faults. Don't break down their self-esteem with criticism that leads them to be angry. Don't discourage them with unreasonable demands. He said, I've had kids say to me, the only thing their parents ever notice about them is what they do wrong. Listen, moms and dads, if the only thing you talk to your children about is what they do wrong, you need to stop it. Yes, correct and encourage. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But be sure to build them up. Be sure to praise their efforts. Be sure to help them, encourage them as they grow. Colossians 3.21 says it this way. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. That's the idea here. Constantly beating them down over and over and over. Don't be overbearing. Don't be overly harsh. Don't be impossible to please. You know, there are some parents that are impossible to please. No matter what the child does, there's no pleasing them. They do their best. They bring home all A's and one B. And what does mom and dad say? Why didn't you get all A's? Right? How about saying, praise the Lord. That's wonderful. You got all A's and that one B there. You're doing great. I'm proud of you. You understand here what's talking about? Don't provoke them to anger. The negative part. Now, we understand what that's all about. Let's move from the negative now and let's focus on the positive. Okay, let's see what the verse tells us to do. What parents are to do. It says, and you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath. Now, here's the positive part. Bring them up. How? In the training and admonition of the Lord. Your version might have the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So how do we bring them up? We bring them up in the Lord. How? By training them and admonishing them. Now, what does this mean? Let's get some definitions here. Training means discipline. It means correction. It may be verbal. It may be corporal. The word here, I'm told, means the whole training and education of children. It involves the cultivation of their minds, their morals. It involves commands and admonitions, reproof and punishment, correcting mistakes and curbing passions, uh, increasing virtue. Train that child in the Lord. And then admonition. What does that mean, preacher? It means warning. It means rebuke. It means reproof. It means counsel, exhorting them, correcting them. And so you have here a parent training and admonishing their child, disciplining their child, warning, rebuking, reproving their child. But I want you to notice how that's done. It says how bring them up in the training and admonition of the what? Who? The Lord. This is all done of the Lord. It means according to the word of God. 
according to the grace of God, the will of God, according to what God's word tells us. If we're going to bring up a child today and we're going to train them and discipline them and admonish them and correct them, we need to have some authority upon which to do that, right? And it's given here in God's word. We're to train them in the Lord. We're to admonish and correct them of the Lord. And by the way, mom and dad, to do that, I believe you must first know the Lord. Do you know the Lord? I don't believe we can be the parents we ought to be if we don't know Christ. And so I invite you today, if you've never trusted the Lord Jesus, come today. Come by faith today, repenting of your sin and take Christ as your Lord and Savior. Listen, here's what it's telling us. We don't just have a child and then we say, OK, we gave birth to you and, and we're going to give you a house to live in and uh, we'll give you some food and you figure everything else out. That'd be foolish. We'd be foolish to do that. We train them. We admonish them. We teach them. Is all this making sense? This is common sense, isn't it? We train and admonish a child. Pastor Jack Graham said in a real understandable way. Get this now. A child ought to be raised with two pats on the back. Okay? Two pats on the back. One high enough to let them know they've done well. And one low enough to correct them when they've done wrong. I like that. <laughs> two pats on the back. One high, one low. One to encourage, one to discourage. That's good advice. God wants you to be the parent, mom and dad. You're responsible. Listen, God didn't give our children to the government. Let me say that again. They didn't give them to the government. We're responsible. They're our children. God's entrusted them to us. We're to raise them, train them, admonish them. We've been given a great gift in our children, and God wants us to raise our children up for Him, for His honor and His glory. It's a big job. It's a tough job. By the way, you need God's help to do it. You need God's help to do it. It should help your prayer life. As you cry out to God for wisdom, as you cry out to God to work in the life of your child. Pastor Graham went on to mention four things we need to teach our children. I thought these were good. I thought I wanted to share them with you today. Here are four things we need to teach our children. Number one, we need to teach them the importance of choices. Teach them the importance of choices. Teach them to say yes to the right things. Teach them to say no to the wrong things. Listen, you were once a child. There are lots of other kids out there who would love to lead your child astray. There are a lot of adults who would love to lead your child astray. Teach them the right choices. Teach them to say yes to the right things, no to the wrong thing. Secondly, teach them the importance of convictions. Convictions. Teach them biblical truth, biblical values, biblical principles. They can make the right decisions, especially when it's a tough decision. Listen, our boys and girls, our teenagers, our college kids are facing tough decisions today. They're facing things that we probably had no thought of years ago. And they face it on a daily basis. Teach them convictions. Teach them the word of God. Teach them to stand upon the Bible. Teach them to stand regardless of the consequences. Teach them to have godly convictions, choices, convictions. Third, teach them the importance of conscience. Conscience. Now, their conscience should be conditioned by the word of God. And it should instill in them a sensitivity to sin. That's why it's important that you have your children being taught God's word. And listen, that goes on here in Sunday school and in team kid and his teens and all that. But it shouldn't just go on here. You see, the church is here not to take your place. It's here to help moms and dads. 
We're not here to do all the work in regards to God's word and instilling your children the truth of God's word. We should be supplementing what you're doing with your children. Do you ever talk about the Lord at your home? Do you pray with your children? Do you read Bible stories with them? Do you talk about Bible characters? Do you ever look at those papers we send home and talk about what they've learned here? Let me encourage you to do that. Teach them the importance of conscience. A conscience conditioned by the word of God. Sensitive to sin. And then fourthly, teach them. Here's an important one. Teach them the importance of companions. Companions. Teach them the importance of having right friends. By the way, know who your children's friends are. Know who they are. Know what they're doing. Know where they are. Companions. Think about your own life, mom and dad. Did you ever have some friends that really weren't the right kind of friends? By the way, that's not only good counsel for children. That's good counsel for all of us. Have the right kind of companions. I don't know about you, but I want to be around people that are going to build me up to the Lord, not tear me down. I want to be around people that's going to encourage me to do right, live right, be right, not encourage me to do wrong. Now, yes, we reach out to the lost. Yes, we reach out to those people, the love of Jesus. But listen, my very best, closest friends should be those who love Jesus. And we have that in common. And we encourage one another. Choices, convictions, conscience and companions. And listen, I know and I speak from experience when I say this. I know sometimes you grow weary. Sometimes it's tough. Sometimes you get tired of discipline, you get tired of training, you get tired of correcting. You get tired. But hang in there. Hang in there, moms and dads. You only have a short time with your children to prepare them before they are grown and gone. Stay on your knees. Stay in the word. Stay in their lives. Don't just tell them, show them. Don't just talk about it. Walk before them the way they should live. Listen, don't tell them, listen, the Lord's important. And then betray that with your living. Show them that Jesus is the most important thing in life. I'm afraid so many believers, so many Christians, they want to raise decent kids. They want to raise smart kids. They want to raise good athletes. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. But listen, our goal as Christian parents should not be just decency or good grades or a good person. Our goal as parents should see that our children are Christ-like. Holiness. They know the Lord. They love Him. They're serving Him. Everything else is fine and well. They can be good athletes. They can be great kids. They can have great grades. That's fine. But the most important thing for the Christian parent is their children know and love and are like the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that your goal? We only have a short time. How many? How many nights do I have, God? How many nights do I have to tuck each of my boys into bed with their teddy bears? How many times do I have left, God? How many times do I have left to lift my boys onto my shoulders before they're too big? How many more kisses, God? How many more kisses do I get to give my boys after I've tucked them in at night? How many pushes, God? How many pushes do I get to give my boys on a swing before they outgrow it? How many days, God? 
How many days of hot summer do I have left to run through the sprinklers with my boys? How many more tears, God? How many more tears of joy will I shed at the end of each day that my boys have grown through? How many more times, God? How many more times will I get to lift my boys back into bed once they've fallen out? How many more years, God? How many more years before they come and lift me from the floor after I've fallen? How many, God? How many? The author of that little piece asks a very important question. How many days do you have left? The days are short, beloved. I exhort you, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Let's pray. Your head is bowed, your eyes are closed. Before I pray, let me ask two questions. Number one, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If not, come today. If not, return from your sin to Christ today. In a moment, we're going to sing a closing hymn. I want you to walk down and allow somebody to take a Bible and share with you. You can know that your sin is forgiven and heaven is your home. If you don't know Christ, come to him today. Number two, here's the second question. Has God spoken to you about your parenting? Are there changes that need to take place? Perhaps you've grown distracted, maybe discouraged. Maybe you're even depressed today. Would you come to God and give him that? Would you come with a fresh surrender saying, Lord, help me to be the dad, the mom that you want me to be. Help me to bring up my children in your training, your admonition, that they may know you and love you and serve you all the days of their life. Maybe you need to come today and give that to the Lord and pray for grace and strength. To be the parent God wants you to be. Will you be submissive to his leading today? Father, we love you and praise you and thank you for this time. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the gift of children. Your word says that they're a gift. Father, we do as parents grow discouraged sometimes and tired, but help us, Lord, never, never to give up in being a godly mom or dad. And I pray, Lord, if somebody's here today that does not know Christ, I pray here in this invitation time, they'll come and let someone explain to them clearly the gospel of the Lord Jesus. And Lord, I pray for moms and dads, maybe some today who might want to come and just bow a knee and cry out again and a fresh surrender. Or maybe cry out for help and grace to be the parent you want them to be. We thank you for your blessing. We thank you for what you're going to do with this invitation time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.